is 1.37 p.m. Stories of hustle and grind from the intersection of culture, style, music, and sports. Hot beers, cold bets, cold beers, hot bets. This is short-term high-volatility investments with your two favorite uncles, business and pleasure, or as perhaps you know us, Jeff Sheesby and Ant Latino, or perhaps as you know us, the old man who bets and the odds fellow. Ant, what's the good word, brother? That intro gets better every single time. I just want to say uh, you bring the hype, you bring the energy, you bring the mouthful, and I'm, I'm here for it. That's a triple threat trio rage brigade right there. It's Friday when we're recording. We got picks for today. We got picks for tomorrow. We're focusing on the business aspect of things today. Short, sweet, less banter, more winners. Let's dive right into the NBA. And what do you got? We'll cook it up for us. Quick hitter. We just wanted to do business today. That's because it's Friday. It's a busy Friday. It's summer Friday. You guys are probably disconnecting as we speak, hopefully from, you know, the office, the laptop, the emails. Uh, Maybe you're on the phones. Maybe you're not. But hopefully you can listen to this. Because at 7.30 p.m. tonight, we have tip-off in a game that I would love to give you a winner for. Mm. Nice and early. Nice and early. That's my attention, baby. That's right. And what's better than, you know, who wants to wait the full game for their ticket to cash? I mean, that's... Come on. Right? So, so my question to you is, should we get it out of the way in the first quarter, the first half? Some of this, we're going to decide together. I'm going to need the old man who bets to, to chime in and think about this. One, because he witnessed it firsthand, watching his beloved New York Knickerbockers at the hands of Trey Young, his hairline, and the Atlanta Hawks. His so hairline is eating, but his play is not. Right. My God. Not. I'm so he's glad, not. though, he's been dominating and Philly It's been well. fun. Another team, right? Yeah. Especially a strong a defensive targeted. unit. I mean, you know, the Knicks and the, and the Sixers are not defensive slouches by any stretch of the imagination. 100p. So, look, what we're keying in on here, I'm putting on my trend hat today. You got to look at different things. Today, we're keying in on some trends, some recent end of the regular season trends, some playoff trends, I think some interesting points to look at. Um, Let's flip back first to the Hawks at home, just in general, right? So there may be some angles, too, if you hear this. Maybe you're interested in just the full game because that's certainly Mm -hmm. potential, too. The Hawks at home ended the regular season on an 11-game home win streak. That was the longest active winning streak. in the regular season, four home games for the NBA. Uh, they beat the Knicks then in both playoff home games, uh, which were games three and four of that series. So that's 13 straight games and 21 and 20, 21 and two overall in their last 23 home games. So that's obviously just straight up records, you know, but you can tell this team is motivated and playing well, including in the playoffs uh, at home. So interesting points. Mm-hmm. What we're going is, is one layer below that. And and what I wanted to look at was the beginning of these games for the Hawks, because I know, you know, during the regular season, they, they played pretty well early on. They actually blew a lot of leads before they ended up uh, moving on from their coach. I think at one point it was like 11 or 12 straight, not straight, but 11 or 12 fourth quarter collapses before um, Lloyd Pierce was let go and something we talked about in one of the previous podcasts. Mm-hmm. But in the Knicks series, in game one, they won the first quarter by eight points, the first half by two points. So a little bit of a regression there in the second, but still held strong for the first half. In game two, they won the first quarter by seven, the first half by 13. In game three and game four, which were the home games, they lost the first quarter by two. They won the first half by 14. In game four, they lost the first quarter by one. They won the first half by four. In game five, the clinching at the Garden, they tied the first quarter and then they won the first half by five. 
So straight wins in the Knicks series down the center in the first half. Um, two, two, and one in the first quarter, right? So always mm-hmm. pretty tight, but pulled away. Yeah, Knicks one of the best first quarters. quarter teams in the in the league, at least in right. the regular season. Of course, we saw that regular season Knicks and the postseason Knicks are not the same beast, but nonetheless, that's interesting. Yeah, so you know, an all worlds collide a little bit because I think those were two of the strongest first quarter against the spread teams during the regular season that I saw in a couple of trends. The Knicks went on an absurd, absurd streak at one point. So now you flip to the Sixers series. In game one, they won the first quarter by 15. They won the first half by 20. They were truly dominant, you know, almost beginning to end. Fourth quarter got a little dicey in game one. I think some of that momentum and the talent carries over for Philly in the game two. But even in that game, you know, they lost the first quarter by 13. They came roaring back and only lost the first half by two points. So they outscored in the second quarter, um, you know, the, the Sixers by 11 to kind of close the gap on that first quarter lead. So now you jump into game three, you know, all kinds of tendencies, not a must win, right? But 1-1, they split uh, at, at home in Philly. They were impressive in game one. And they come back here to a Sixers team that has not been good on the road all year. Now, again, just looking at straight up records, the Sixers were 20 and 16. Doesn't sound terrible, but keep in mind, that means they went 29 and 7 at home during the regular season. If you look at the Washington series, who, you know, Philly faced up against in the first round, they ended up winning by five. One of those losses was game four, you know, probably let it slip away a little bit. uh, Up 3-0 going for the sweep, ultimately got the gentleman sweep, but you know, they lost that game four on the road. So I think there's some things pointing to the Hawks here, probably to get one of these next two uh, at home in Atlanta, especially with the way they've been playing. But what I'm really keying in on is probably that first half, right? I think you could make an argument for the first quarter. You could probably make an argument for the full game. But really that first half and that performance over the course of the first or second quarter is telling that this team from quarter to quarter can kind of jump around and get back into things. So where I'm actually keying in on a little bit is some alternate spreads. Um, as well as just some of the straight up spreads. And I think this is one thing I wanted to call out in the pod and we could talk about it for a little bit too, is you got to do your shopping because these lines vary so much. I mean, in the first quarter alone, just for an example, I found a plus a half a point at minus 120, a plus one at minus 130, right? So very different lines. For the first half, because these lines are more out than the quarters, sometimes quarters come out closer to game time. I saw a minus half a point at minus 105, a plus half a point at minus 120, a plus one at minus 121. And then our good friends at DraftKings, friend of the program, um, is is also, you know, dropping some alternate spreads, which is where I'm actually going to key in on a little bit. So what I'm doing, what I'm recommending is first half. Uh, I'm staying away from the first quarter for now. And we are going to grab the first half minus 0.5 at minus 105, because I think they get it done. And I, I think they're they're up. But then I'm going to throw another sprinkle on that alternate spread. And right now, the alternate spread that I saw on DraftKings was minus two and a half at plus 150 for the Atlanta I Hawks. I love those plus odds, man. You know, I'm curious yeah. your thoughts. I think what we saw in game two here, first half uh, for Philadelphia, their secondary squad, the, the, the backups were absolutely abysmal. And then, of course, Atlanta – kept it close and then second half the the bench warms up a little bit right shake Milton goes off for 14 and 11 minutes something crazy like that 
And, you know, you, I think when the trend here of them, you know, losing the first quarter by two uh, at home to the Knicks and then winning by 14 in the first half and then lost the first quarter by one, one by four, that screams, you know, second unit here is really bringing it. And I think what's interesting with the Knicks, obviously, is they had to completely bring their second unit into their first unit with Rose actually being the best player on the squad. Right. Where do you think that bench play is coming from? Obviously, the uh, the Hawks have tons and tons of depth. What do they have? Four or five dudes that shoot 40% from three. Hunter, I think, is out for the rest of the playoffs hunter is out Uh, which is a little bit more dicey yeah but oh so i think at the end of the day here it's the belief in the bench of atlanta is going to be better than the bench uh in philadelphia while the starters should hopefully kind of keep it close yeah absolutely i think you saw a tremendous performance and look i was on the sixers and you know they did cover which was great for the bankroll a big part of that was was shake milton and it was shake and bake in, in the second half of that game, a little stretch late in the third quarter, I think into the early fourth with just him going absolutely off. And he got big minutes. So you're going to have Shake Milton out there. He'll probably have a little bit of confidence. But now it's also not Shake Milton in the comfortable environment in Philly. It's Shake Milton on the road. And it's that second unit that struggles on the road. You typically want to look to see where some of those, you know, and some of this is just, again, you know, eye test stuff. But some of those role players, some of those second units, do a little bit better at home in that type of environment, right? Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, versus a a rowdy playoff crowd uh, in in down in Atlanta. Those fans are hungry. Yeah, for sure. Shake Milton, the pride of Southern Methodist University Mustangs. Don't know if they were playing too many hostile games on the road, but hey, I like it, man. So we're, yeah. we're riding with the alt line there. First half minus two and a half plus one fifty. That's right. And uh, a little sprinkle on the just minus 0.5 at minus 105. So look on Twitter, I'll release the two together. You can find it maybe up here or somewhere over here. It'll have some lines. And then eventually we're going to put a checkbox next to it and a little cash, a little cash symbol next to it. That's the goal. Step two. Hopefully we'll get to the emojis, right? Yeah, that's right. Picks went well. That's right. I love it. All right. So that's great. That's a game tonight. 730 tip. Eastern Conference, it's going to be a good one. And that carries us right into Saturday matinee baseball, perhaps? Yeah, a little matinee baseball. You know, again, a perfect time to crack a beer, uh, hot or cold. You know, your preference. All beers matter. We don't discriminate. Hot toddy. That's for goddamn sure. Uh, But I've got a couple spots to target here. All first five unders. You know, let's do rapid fire here. This is all business. This is no pleasure. We're not having fun. No, I'm kidding. We're always having fun here. But uh, first one I want to look in here, Ant, is, uh, is going to be the White Sox and the Tigers' first five under. We've got Dylan Cease on the mound going against Jose Urena. Two pretty good pitchers, right? You know, looking at matchup stats, uh, matchup stats are pretty average, honestly. WLBA, Cease at 331. Urena at 258. League average is 320. So one slightly worse, one slightly better. Fine. Uh, ISO here, isolated power, measure of uh, hitters, raw power, extra base hits, league average 140. Cease here at 212, which is a bit of a concern, but we'll address that in a second. Urena here with a really, really solid .097. And I think any sort of concern that we had on the ISO is is put to rest by their FIP matchup-wise, 4, 4.24 uh, and 409. But uh, you know, let's let's talk about that ISO for a second from Cease on the matchup. You know, I think something that, that helps him here is that Detroit ultimately is, is 21st in terms of home runs per game. Uh, so even in his historical matchup against this Detroit team, this Detroit lineup this year, they're not hitting too well. They're also 25th in hits per game. And, you know, I think something we've seen all season and, you know, I was uh, I, I've started to make the transition here of overweighting the season stats rather than their historical matchup stats, because this season seems to just be favoring pitchers big time, whether we want to talk about foreign substances or not. 
neither here nor there. But it does seem like uh, the, the, the current stats are more important than their historic stats. So that's where I really like Dylan Cease here. He's got a 3.36 ERA with a 4.08 XFIP. Pretty good. Uh, he also has the best home run per nine of his career at .073. Uh, he does have a bit of a control issue. Every start that he's gotten into trouble has been due to walks uh, with a 4.09 walk per nine rate. Uh, but thank God the Tigers here love to swing the bat and not to swing the bat particularly well. They're 29th in strikeouts per game. They should be swinging. Cease has got some junk. So right there, I think he should be able to limit this Detroit Tigers. On the other side of things, obviously this White Sox team scores a lot of runs. Uh, but Urena here has been decent, 4.25 ERA with a 4.76 XFIP. So he has been overperforming a little bit on the season stats. Um, but he has been limiting the home runs, 0 0.046 home runs per nine. Uh, the White Sox team is 23rd in home runs per game, so that's great. And he has faced this White Sox team twice already, and he's been pretty good. Uh, his last start was actually literally his last start. Five innings pitch, six hits, three in runs. Uh, the start before that, which is about a month prior, seven innings pitch, seven hits, one earned run. And he's allowed two or, run, two or less runs in seven out of his 11 starts. So quick and dirty here. I'm looking for the under. Uh, it'll probably be around four and a half. Uh, I think under four and a half is a good spot. Uh, but hopefully we'll get a nice pitcher's duel. Uh, yeah, and, and a righty, righty pitcher matchup against that White Sox lineup. They have mashed the lefties a, a little bit. Obviously, I think that trend's come back down to earth a bit starting with uh one of the yankees games maybe against our boy jordan montgomery yes, um, did. but you know better better there to slot a righty in given some of the performance this year for that heavy still potent very talented white Sox lineup yep exactly so um i actually we were, we're talking three first five unders here which you yep. know never that sexy rooting for a pitcher's duel but hey profits are sexy as long as that's this there. year man i mean my my hands were a little sticky as we were doing this segment so you know that's that's yeah, baseball baby tar or something a little more egregious <laughs> uh i think i think with all the profits i'm trying to get my hands on it's spider tack i can yeah, confirm it's spider tack. for, sure. for yeah. sure yeah don't tell the commissioner yeah. that's for goddamn sure uh but let's move right along here reds uh and rockies first five under we've got marquez versus miley on the mound uh, again, same exercise, WOBA, ISO, FIP, Marquez, WOBA, 322, right at league average on the matchup, Miley on the matchup, 378, not good. But again, we're more concerned about season stats than we are historical matchup stats right now. ISO, both these dudes a little inflated, Marquez, 178, Miley, 133. Uh, also to import, uh, important to note that these matchup stats do not take into account home or away splits. Uh, Marquez, over the course of his career, has been mediocre at Coors Field, has been an absolute rock star on the road. He's on the road today. So anything that's a little inflated here, uh, I would assume is inflated because of that home and away split. Uh, anyway, FIP, this is one I think is a little bit more important. Both these guys are pretty good. 3.03 for Marquez and 3.93 for Miley. So coming into the season here, Marquez, quite frankly, has been bringing it a little inconsistent, but at the macro, bringing it 3.91 ERA with a 3.7 expected FIP. Uh, interestingly enough, control has been a pretty big issue for him. He has a 4.29 walk per nine rate, which is way above his career average at 2.63. Uh, but it seems like he's kind of going to get together a little bit here. Last three starts, he had one walk, two walks, and then one walk. The three starts before that, he had three in all three of those. So small sample size, but at least directionally trending in the direction we like to see that. Uh, and the only real concern here is that since he is a good hitting team, uh, they're number 10 in terms of first five uh, runs per game. Uh, but again, I think the, the the fact that Marquez here is on the road is is good enough for me to kind of nullify that stat a touch. He's got a 3.52 ERA 
on the road versus 4.94 at home. So yes, they're good at hitting, but Marquez is way better on the road. That's a, a bit of a, a, a balance out for me. Other side of the mound here, Miley. He's having the best season of his career here at 2.96 ERA with a 3.32 expected FIP. That's a major wow for me. Uh, his walks are way down this year, 2.63 walks per nine compared to 5.65 last year. That's where he a was huge an absolute gap. Gaskin. Yeah, that's a huge gap to see that type of regression. Yeah, 100%. I think it's going to be interesting here because he did get absolutely shelled. His worst start of the season against Colorado last game, um, or last the, the only time he's faced him this year. Was that at Coors Field, though? Um, good question. I don't know that off the top of my head. And I, I will don't check. Have the I will check. Stats open. I will check the Google. Three innings pitch, eleven hits, eight earned runs. I do know, not necessarily if it was home or away, but it was after his complete game shutout. Uh, and historically, pitchers coming off of complete game shutouts, no hitters, things along those lines, have tanked. So at that point, I'm not really too concerned about it. If anything, I think it's a great bounce back spot for him. Especially it was we consider at Colorado. Before, at, at Colorado. Colorado. Great. That thin air, it's going to be an awesome home run derby this year. I know DraftKings is going to have signage up throughout the entire thing, a friend of the Love pod. That. Um, but nonetheless, uh, I'm not too worried about that. If anything, I think that makes me like Wade more, you know, a little bit of a chip yeah. on his shoulder to, to get back to pitching where he has been. And thankfully, Colorado right now is 17th in terms of runs per game, uh, run, first five runs per game. So it's not like they've exactly been lighting up the box score at the first half of, of this squad. So I like Miley to bounce back. I like Marquez to bring it on the road as he has all year, as he has for his entire career. Would love for him to just get traded to the Yankees, neither here nor there. Um but anyway, I'm looking for a first five under there. And we'll hit you with one bonus here. And we've got time for, for three a way bonus. Yeah, I'm ready. why not? Right. We're looking at the Mets and the Padres first five under as well. Uh, this one for sure, not rocket science. This is a little bit of, you know, taking the numbers on the back of the card and, and just riding with them. Stroman versus Musgrove, two of the better pitchers this season. Stroman with a 2.4 ERA and a 3.49 expected FIP overperforming a touch. But nonetheless, that expected FIP is still very good. Musgrove on the other side, best pitching of his career. You know, he's been kind of a breakout candidate for a couple of years, always been on a shitty team. Now he's bringing it. I love it. I have him on my fantasy team. Not that any of you guys give a fuck about that, but I do. Anyway, 2.33 ERA with a 2.55 expected FIP. Hopefully we'll get a pitcher's duel here. And, you know, when we look at the hitting, neither of these teams have been particularly inspiring in the least. We've got 23 in terms of hits per game, 22 in terms of home runs per game, and 25 in terms of first five runs per game. That's for the New York Mets. Padres, who should be way better. I think both these teams should be a little bit better than they have been, but the Padres specifically, they've been 19th in hits per game, 25th in home runs per game, and 26th for first five runs per game. So that one's probably going to be pretty low. You'd probably look for that to be four at the max maybe even three and a half nonetheless when it's low go lower yeah i feel like the three and a half would be very telling in that spot now these guys just uh the mets and the padres just played too so i was trying to get quickly to see if this was one of the matchups and if you could you know uh compare if if that's the way the games ended up going i think the mets took two out of three from the padres and played pretty well in that series i mean they're battling he, you know, even with that offense struggling, a lot of it's been the pitching. It's been DeGrom, it's been Stroman, um, you know, and a couple other pitchers stepping up. Their really weak spot is Derek Peterson, you know, not not these guys. So Stroman in a contract year, uh, he continues to put out. And and Mr. Musgrove, he got his no-no and, you know, he's been grinding all year. So he's been fun to watch. Yeah, 100%, man. And they went 2-2 two and two in that series here, but it was all low scoring. 4-3, yeah. 2 nothing, 4 nothing, and 6-2. Um, 
So I don't know. Let's hope history repeats itself. And that's right. It's another nice low scoring pitcher's duel. Terrible TV ratings, but fantastic profits. That's right. Go low. I think that's, All right. uh, so, uh, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Quick summary for you guys here. Ant tonight, the odds fellow, Uncle Business, is on the Atlanta Hawks minus two. Plus 150. That's an alt line. You can find it on DraftKings. You can probably find it on any book you want. But we'll, uh, a friend of the friend of the friend of the pod will will pump them. Uh, and I'm looking for three first half uh, first five unders tomorrow. That's going to be the Rockies. That's going to be the Padres. And that's going to be the White Sox. That's a wrap. And bring us home, baby. You can find me on Twitter at the Odds Fellow. It's been a pleasure. Enjoy the weekend. Cash some tickets. Jeff, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter. You can find me more recently on TikTok. You can find that's me on right. Instagram. Uh, but that's a wrap, baby. Uh, <laughs> talk to us. Tell us what you're tailing. Tell us what you're not tailing. Tell us what you're fading. Tell us what your picks are. We love the dialogue. We love the debate. We love to be engaged in, in the data process that you're going through. So once again, this is short-term high volatility investments. And that's a wrap. Cheers. Have a great weekend. This is 1.37 p.m. Own your future. Start this minute. 1.37 p.m. is a Gallery Media Group original production.